welcome to another uh, podcast for Coaches Chatters. Today we've got Mike. Um, if you're watching on YouTube channel, you'll be able to see us having a nice little chat. If you're watching on Spotify, and then you'll just listen to our voices. So uh, we'll crack on. So uh, quick introduction for Mike. He's an assistant manager at FC United. Um, and currently they're not uh, playing at the moment due to COVID, but um, I'll let M- Mike introduce himself. So uh, what's, what's your journey so far as a, as a coach? Hey Josh, yeah, thanks for inviting me uh, for this interview. Uh, it's a, it's quite a long story. Uh, my coaching journey, I started right at the bottom, if you will, uh, with Sunday League. Uh, ironically, with the manager now at FC United, uh, we were both mid-twenties. He, he'd done his cruciate ligament, so he was on crutches and I'd done my Achilles tendon and I was on crutches and we were watching all mates all play Sunday League. Uh, Team full of really good players, but no direction. Plenty of drinking the night before, and uh, the manager had enough and stepped down and said, "I've had enough of this." Uh, and all the lads were like, "What are we going to do now?" So they just looked at me and Neil Reynolds and said, "What about you two? And <laughs> so we just sort of got thrown into it on a Sunday, you know, Sunday morning, and uh, what turned out to be like. You know, not really thought about it. it. Turned out to be two brilliant years where we won the two championships. You know, we uh, we got the same squad. Hardly changed the squad from the year before. Got them fit, giving them a bit of direction. Uh, you know, like I said, there were some really good players there. Some of them should have played semi-pro, but never did. Uh, and we won Division Two, then we won Division One, and then uh, you know, we, in, and the main thing is we had a really good time as a group of friends. So that's how we started. Uh, Neil went back playing at Clitheroe. I never played again from the injury. Uh, I then started managing my local team, New Lockton Rovers, senior team. Uh, we won uh, won the cup with them, uh, won promotion with them. And then I moved on to forward amateurs in the West Lancs League. Uh, reserve team manager, so I was only relatively new to coaching and management at the time. I did my coaching badges one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did the reserve team there. We won the cup. Uh, and, and then I moved to the first team as first team coach to the manager Dave Belshaw. Uh, we came runners up in the West Lancs Prem and won the Richardson Cup. So I moved on from there to Bamber Bridge Reserves, uh, where we won the league, Lancashire League, for the first time uh, in the history. Uh, and then I was promoted to first team coach with uh, Neil Crow as the manager. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then, uh, where did I go after that? <laughs> I moved around a bit. I moved to another West Lancs team. So I wanted to manage again instead of being like, uh, you know, I was a first, I was first team coach. There was a manager, assistant manager. There was bits here. But I wanted to get my hands dirty again and get stuck into management. So I went to Lost at St. Jared's in the West Lancs division. Uh, that was my first season where I uh, experienced relegation. I took them over with, I think they had four points at Christmas, so they were rock bottom, uh, and I, I just fancied the challenge. Me and Stu Barton, who was the goalkeeper coach at Bamber Bridge, we went and took over at Lost at St. Gerrard's. Uh, like I said, they were rock bottom for either four or six points it was at Christmas, so it wasn't looking too good, but it was a challenge, and I thought, well, let's have a go, and, and we got relegated on the last day of the season, last game of the season, we had to win, yeah. and we lost two, and it was a... That was my first sort of experience with the other side. You know, I've been successful every club I've been at. And then that season was my first season. But I, I sort of knew that when I took over. It was a case of if we stay up, well done. But if we don't, we don't. 
so we went down to Division One, uh, and then we got promoted the season after, and managed to take them straight back up to the Premier Division again. So that was a good, uh, a good experience of going down to go back up. Uh, after that, I had a bit of a break due to families and you know babies and wife working. She had her own business and things like that. And then eventually went back to Bamber Bridge as first team coach to Neil Reynolds, who was manager, and I've been with him ever since. He's got uh, we won the playoffs, we won the uh, Integral League Cup when we were at Bamber Bridge, uh, and then we went to FC United. So and here we are. So it's been a bit of a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite like you were saying there. It's been a journey where you've been very successful, um, and I think would. Would you say when you went to um, St. Gerrard's when, you know, it was a team where you knew they were they were quite lower towards the bottom of the league and it probably would have been a challenge to, to keep them up? Do you think that was really like a good fighting challenge for you? Because obviously you've never experienced that kind of side of it. Why? When I got the phone call off the chairman, I, I was like, I was in a, a, a nice position at Bamber Bridge. You know, it wasn't too stressful because I wasn't making the end decisions. You know, I wasn't the manager. You know, I was just doing what I had to do quite easily just plodded along and but I just thought I needed another challenge and it sort of excited me even though it was a bit of a bleak challenge <laughs> you know it was like uh, you know you've got you're on a hiding to nothing here but I thought well if I get them out of it it'd be like well, it's just similar to winning a league or a cup isn't it if you yeah so we took it right down to the wire and uh, we you know we, we failed basically but you learn from that don't you you come back stronger and that's what it's all about, and so uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good move. Uh, it was difficult because it's a the West Lancs League is amateur, obviously, and the Bamber Bridge is semi-pro. You've a different type of player there. I mean, there were some good players at the West Lancs so who probably could have been semi-pro, but there's another side to being semi-pro. It's not just being able to play football, is it? It's the commitment, it's the fitness, it's the training. Mm. You know, there's a big big part of that, and some lads just either. Not you know, not many lads like training. Do they? let's be honest. You know, they're uh, <laughs> if they could miss training, they would. If they could play matches every week or every day, they would. Wouldn't it? Simple as that. I mean, so, sometimes yeah. it's that mentality from from being um, from playing when you were younger. You know, you have the coaches when you I don't know, like seven to ten year olds, where they literally just turn up and play a game, and it's sort of that same mentality where you want to, you know, start training like your fitness and your your passing and stuff. But when you get to um, sort of that semi-professional level, it's, it's different. Do you think um, that kind of stopped you at that time, you know, um, playing with players that maybe just wanted to rock up after a night out and play compared to, you know, at Bamber Bridge where they were quite serious for it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what what I did is, uh, obviously, we've always been, even when we did the Sunday League team, you know, we've always tried to instil all the standards that we expect of Sometimes, you know, even professional, you know, and to a degree, because obviously you can't, you can't put that into a Sunday league team, but we had our standards and said, this is what we expect. And if lads didn't abide by them, they didn't get picked. And, you know, on our Sunday league side, we had lads, we had 19 lads turning up every Sunday. And some had to leave three out of the squad because we obviously only picked 16. But they weren't, they weren't, they weren't particularly that upset. They obviously were disappointed, but they were there the week after. And, and I'd try and rotate the squad as best as I could so that everybody got a fair crack. And, they, you know, they were they used to go out on a Saturday night till all hours, and then all of a sudden they weren't going out because we were top of the league. We'd gone, I mean, when we started the season, we went 10 games un, unbe- unbeaten, as in, well, 10, 100% record, mm. one ten out of 10. 
So all of a sudden, we've all got a bit of a, you know, everyone's got a bit of a drive and a bit of a, you know, standards are set and we don't want to, we don't want to drop them. And that was at Sunday League. So we've always instilled these standards. And I think you have to. And if you want to be successful, you know, we, me and uh, Neil Reynolds, probably Mr. Reynolds, and his head teacher, uh, we always put these standards into whatever club we're in. And the lads either buy into it or they don't. And if they don't, they move on, don't they? And then you've got your squad of lads who all know what we expect. And, and that's what's proved to be successful. Even when we've not had much money, you know, like the budget at Bamber Bridge was pretty average or below average compared to some teams in our, in our league. And, you know, like when we won the Integral Cup, that we were in Division 1, and that included all the teams in the Premier Division. Mm. So it was, it was a massive achievement. And then the season after we won the playoffs, which was another achievement based on our budget. You know, that's when you get semi-pro level. Budgets are... Uh, you know, play a massive part in the in, in the leagues. Yeah, and I guess it's something that you don't really think about. You know, as as a coach, you know, doing a level one, level two, you don't really think about that budget side of it. Um, no, you don't. And then moving to the obviously the brighter side of your career, what would you say your your biggest achievements are? You know, you said you won so many cups and, and leagues. What would you say out of all them would be up there? I think at the moment the playoff the playoff win with uh, Bamber Bridge because we you know we. We've, they hadn't won anything for probably 20 years since Tony Greenwood was there. He was very successful. I don't, they might they got to a playoff final before, uh, you know, in the mid 2000s, I think it was. And we, we never, it was such, Bamber Beach Football Club is a great club, but it's still like a village club in a high league, you know, a semi professional league, you know, and you can't knock that out of that club. There's no man behind it throwing money in. There's no owner of the club. It's all owned by a trust and there's volunteers. And so to take us up to the Premier Division and uh, you know win the playoffs, I think that was a massive achievement for that. Compared because there's some teams in that division who had massive budgets, you know, they were paying players three, four, five hundred pounds a week. You know, we were paying 80, 80, 100, 120 pounds, you know, just covering their expenses really. Yeah. 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 Um, and then moving on to sort of your next part of your career, obviously you've been you've been everywhere. What would you say in the next ten years you you see yourself staying at FC United or progressing somewhere else? Or no, I think uh, I'd like to stay at FC United. I know uh, Neil Reynolds he does as well, and they've got a big you know they've got a big plan FC United uh, the number over the number of years. But where do you want to go? It's quite exciting, you know, and uh, you'd like to definitely like to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, because FC United is quite a new club. Was it two thousand four? It was it was founded. Something quite early yeah. like that. Fifteen years. It's just had its fifteen year anniversary. Yeah, two thousand and five. Yeah. Would you say there's sort of like a, a pattern in place, like a plan for like in the next ten years you want to be this far? Sort of like Salford City, we're doing. Obviously, they've got a bit more money with the the backing that they've got. But would you say you've got a plan in place where you want to be at this stage within how many years? Is that Sort of in place there. It, it is, but it's not the it's not the be all and end all for FC United. Like you said, they were set up by the fans, and it's for the fans. It's such a great community club, and as long as we, we're providing football for those fans, uh, you know, and, and people who wear the badge, you know, the the proud to wear it, and you know, that's that's the main ethos behind this club. It's not a club, you know, we've had Salford and AFC Files, for example, who. Somebody's took over with money and said, right, by this date, we want to be in the league. They don't say anything like that because if we don't get there, we don't get there. And as long as we've still got the club, 
and the reasons it was set up, the club, uh, by the fans, you know, it was a protest of the, the, the way Manchester United was going with all corporate and uh, ticket prices going up, Sky TV uh, dictating when they kicked off, you know, and the fans, these were diehard fans who go to like West Ham or Bournemouth and then on a Saturday at three o'clock and all of a sudden it's now eight o'clock on a Monday, you know, and they've got to, you know, and they've just got told that a week later, a week earlier before the game or, and you know, and they just got a bit fed up with that, which is, you know, you must, you can understand that. Uh, but their club now is all about them, and it's it's good. It's a great. Uh, you know, if you go to a match day, the experience is unbelievable. The fans are so good. They, you know, you get beat. Uh, when we first took over, we were in the National League North, and we got that season. We got relegated, uh, but they were bottom league when we took over. Similar story to my uh, lost at St Gerrard's, really, but. And we nearly stayed up there. We got relegated and we're at home and there was over 2,000 fans there. And after the game, we went and clapped them and they must have sang for 25, 30 minutes, just sang to us and it was like airs on the back of your neck was stood up and it was like, we've just been relegated and it's like we've just won the FA Cup, you know, because they were basically just singing how proud they are and, and it's, you can't, you, you just can't buy that. It's... Uh, a great experience. Which one you can come once we're back in, fans, you're very welcome to come along and experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that that's football in a nutshell, really. You know, you'd rather have a, a big group of community. Um, you see now with Wrexham, they've just been bought right. Raul Rennan's a, a Hollywood movie star. And, you know, they might go down the same path as Fylde and, and uh, Salford, where, you know, there's a large amount of money. And really, it's kind of pushing the, not necessarily the smaller clubs, but the clubs where it's just, a community together and then you know they don't care win or lose like you just said and they'll show up for the team so it, it's kind of hard seeing where football's kind of going in that sense and you don't want clubs like a, like FC United um, falling into that sort of situation no. um, in terms of your, your coaching um, ability obviously you've been everywhere what would you say your, your sort of styles is compared like when you when you're coaching and um, we we do like to instill with you know to play football you know uh we always say, uh, we, you know, you play your football, but in the final third, we, we tell the lads they've got a golden ticket. You know, it's like, you know, make something happen up there and we let them play a bit freely. Uh, we, you know, we're not direct. We don't go back to front quick. Uh, we, we have a good philosophy on football. You know, we don't tend to try, you know, we don't tell them to overplay, but, we, you know, play in the right areas. And the main thing at our level is that they enjoy the football. You know, we make sure they're fit. We set them up right. And we make sure that they enjoy the football. And, and you, you find the winning mentality comes with a good dressing room, you know, a, a good set of lads. I mean, I'd say at Bamber Bridge, we had a great dressing room and we got where we where we got because of the dressing room. You know, there were some good players in there, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the, the whole squad worked for each other and that's massive in football, that you've got a team spirit and they all pull the same way. So we, we don't tend to have any lads who... A big time, you know. They soon, they soon get shipped out when we, you know, or we don't, we don't sign them, you know. Mm. So, so yeah, it's that. you look for that ego kind of side of it sometimes. You know, if you're looking for a team, you're looking for that that social cohesion um, rather than looking at a player with like, say, Balotelli at, at Manchester City, who's very big headed. You'd rather not go for the ego player who thinks he's, oh, he's no, no, definitely not. Uh, We've had the odd one in the time. Sometimes you sign them without realizing, you know, what they, you know, and then they, they just cause trouble. Basically, you know, they can be the best footballer in the team, or 
you know, by far, but sometimes they know that and that's to the detriment, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, we wouldn't do that. We we just try and keep, we, we have our own ethos and we have our own standards and we bring in players that we know will fit into that and work with that. Mm. And in terms of players, obviously, you talk about um, like good sociability as a team. How would you say you influence your players as a coach? Would you say you influence them just on the pitch or would you say it's sort of like a physical, social and like a mental thing? No, I think, yeah, definitely not just on the pitch. Uh, big, well, a big part of my role is to uh, get in, in amongst the lads and have chats with them. Uh, a lot of them come to me, you know, if they need to speak to the manager. I mean, he's very approachable, but he's still the manager, isn't he? And there's got to be that kind of uh, slight distance between player and manager. So a player will always, I find they always come and confide or, or ask, you know, I, I'm, I'm, next week, it's my mum's birthday or whatever, you know, I need to do this, but I don't really want to miss because, you know, blah, and I said, like, leave it with me. I'll have a word with the manager and then I'll have a little word in his ear and then he'll just say, I'll oh, send him in the office and he'll come and have a word with him and he'll say, yeah, it's fine, no problem. You know, and that's how we work, you know, you can't, we don't rule with an iron, uh, iron fist, you know, but lads realise that they can't step out of line, which is good. And they, they don't, they don't, uh, you know, they don't step out of line anyway because they all, like I, talk, like I said, they're all here for the same reason and they all know what we expect. So it's, it's how we've built our teams over the years with that successful dressing room. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's good to have a, um, as a coach that is approachable at the same time. You know, you talk about that level of, you know, manager and player being at, at different levels, but at the same time, you want a player, if there's an issue, to come to, come to you if, if they need sorting out. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you want yeah. them to... Well, you want them to know that they can come and speak to me, or you know, or, but we're all approachable. Everyone, all the, all the coaching team, they can approach any of us, and they all know that. Yeah, and as like you say as, as well, as a team, you know, being very sociable and being you know as one, there's no individuals. I think that's a, a definitely another positive because you know you can rely on each other rather than, oh, I don't know if I can speak to him about that. So I guess that's another a positive yeah. as well. Yeah, um, what would you say, um, you know, being semi-professional, um, a lot of the, the players have two jobs maybe or, or do different yeah. stuff in between. How would you say it's, it's balancing that? Would you say it's quite easy or...? Uh, it, is, it is quite easy most of the time. You know, a lot of the lads have jobs where they're quite flexible or, but there's the odd time where maybe, uh, you know, we, we were away at South Shields on a Tuesday night, which is obviously Newcastle way. We have to set off at least three o'clock in the afternoon. So then you've got to be, you know, the jobs have got to be flexible where they can stay. Or, or, but it doesn't tend to happen too much. So it's quite good in that way. Hmm. And um, obviously COVID kicked in this year and you've had like little times of play. Obviously you're not playing at the moment. Um, no. What would you say is, you know, the biggest struggle through this time as, as a coach? Uh, my personal biggest struggle is, the routine of working full-time, training or a match every Tuesday, training Thursday, a match Saturday. You know, you're busy. You've got a long sort of long day on a Tuesday and a Thursday, but I enjoy that. It's part of my, you know, the way I am. And then that's just stopped completely now. So it's it's sort of uh, not doing it. It's, it's difficult and there's nothing else you can really do. It's a little bit go for a walk or, you know, it's, it's, it's getting a bit... At first, I was quite upbeat about it and now it's getting a bit tedious and a bit but hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel so yeah and um there is talk of on the 22nd of february maybe lockdown restrictions um easing a bit would you say that 
um, semi-professional level of football could be reintroduced and would it work the same as the Premier League? There's talks about it. We've had uh, surveys sent to every club in our division in the Northern Premier League uh, with a number of options, what, what you'd vote on. Uh, personally, I think it'll be null and void. I just don't, I can't see us having, uh, going back before March the, and, you know, and the season has to end by the end of May. They extend it to the end of May. It's normally the end of April. Mm. And then there's a knock-on effect on the National League. I don't know whether the National League North and South will continue because uh, of funding. You know, they, they receive grants, which we didn't get. They're, they're classed as elite. We're one division below them. Uh, their funding now is going to be in the form of loans instead of grants, which will put a lot of clubs under under financial pressure. Uh, so if they don't play, there'll be no promotions, no relegations. So then I think, well, what's the point of our season starting? The same financial constraints, for no promotion, no relegation. It's, it's other than having a game of football. But if it's going to mean clubs lose money or operated a loss, it's not sustainable, is it? So there's no, you know, so I can't see it starting again, whereas the manager is very optimistic. He thinks we'll, we will start. So yeah, it's, it's trying to fit all them games in it in that small, you know, got two months to fit in, you know, 40-odd yeah. games in. So it's very difficult. Um, well, we, sorry, we've played, I think we've played eight or nine league games because we had a good run in the FA Cup. We got to the first round against Doncaster Rovers. That was our TV last as well, yeah. Yeah, that's the last game we played, and that was in November. Uh, well, we sorry, we had a friendly in December, thinking we were starting again, and then it got stopped. So this is what happens: you you, you get told, yeah, we're going to start again, and then the government mentions, you know, states something else, and we stop again. So it stops start, and like I said, teams will lose money. I mean, we're lucky we had the cut run. You know, we're financially done reasonably well this year because we've got the TV money, and it was. But again, with COVID, all the FA Cup money and all the TV money was half what it was the season before. Yeah. So, you know, we've done quite well financially. We could have doubled. If we'd done that in a normal season, we'd have doubled what we'd, our money we'd made, you know. Yeah. So. It's, quite, it's quite a shame. Obviously, you're on the BBC um, against Doncaster in the FA Cup. And, you know, you could have had a massive turnout if it, if it was non-COVID. Um, and well, obviously, you couldn't get that money. And do you think, you know, you touched on yeah. the financial side of it, do you think clubs will go under and leagues may drop so there might be less leagues, meaning less people could get involved in that elite sport? Uh, I think so. If if teams are made to start the season, you know, continue the season, a lot of clubs, for example, Bamberbridge, rely on income through the gate. You know, football, they re- re- rely on wet sales, food sales, you know, that's all massive for them. If they didn't have any spectators, any food sales, any beer, soft drink sales, they would 100% go under. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I went to Bamman Bridge, I think it was two years ago when they were playing Preston and a friendly. Um, you know, they pay in the door, you pay £5, £10, whatever, adult or kid. And the amount of money that you can get in through that is, it's so simple and such a good day and really shows, you know, Bamber Bridge yeah. team being, you know, a community sport. But obviously, if you have that community not there, then, you know, yeah. the, the income's not going to come in. Well, the Preston Friendly used to set us up for a quarter to a third of the season. You know, we knew we'd have enough money to keep us going for that. You know, and that's only, and that was because we got the good gate and all the sales through the, uh, again, food and drink. And, mm. you know, and it was, it was a lifeline that Preston, and they carried on. Uh, Graham Wesley tried 
stopping that. We said, what are we playing Bamber Bridge for? But then, you know, it was more for the community and the... Fortunately, uh, he didn't get his way, you know, otherwise he would have, you know, it would have been a massive blow for Bamber Bridge, but obviously they didn't play them at the beginning of this season for the same reasons, well, they didn't get the crowd, you know, and uh, it's, you know, things like that are, are massive in non-league football. They don't, you know, from the outside looking in, you might not realise, but they rely so heavily on, you know, a, ga- a game like that in the pre-season, you know, just to help them keep going. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's not really a fact of seeing Bamber Bridge players. The fact that you're literally like two meters away from the Preston bench. I mean, where we yeah. were stood, we were literally behind it, um, and we were chatting to some of the players there. Um, and do you think that some of these um, bigger clubs are sort of looking at going? You know, when you see uh, places like Amer- America and Asia, where there's a lot of uh, Premier League teams going over there rather than playing like the local. I remember Preston used to play at Liverpool um, yeah. now and again, but they just don't do that anymore. Do you feel like it's it's hard for managers like yourself to get them games in to sort of get the money in? Uh, yeah, it is very difficult. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, you do need them, don't you? You need them to, to survive, you know. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, just before we finish, um, do you have any advice on on uh, coaches to, to young coaches out there who are looking to, to go where you are? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think you've, you know, you've got to be keep your feet on the ground, you know, uh, and realise that there's a lot of hard work to be put in. Uh, one big bit of advice I'd say is go and watch coaches, go and watch, you know, successful coaches, and and watch what they do, and pick things out of what they do, and think, I like that, I like that, I like the way he did that. I'm going to do that, and go to another coach, pick something, and make you mould your own personality and coaching ability from. The, the good things you see from other coaches. I mean, when I was uh, mid-20s, Phil Neville was doing his A-licence at uh, Rosendale. Rosendale United no longer, uh, you know, they're not, they're not here, you know, they don't play anymore in Rosendale. But uh, he used to take every Thursday training session. And I used to go and watch and take things up from Phil, Phil Neville. And he used to say, all I'm doing today is what I've learned off Ferguson and Sven Goran Eriksson, you know, and you just think, and they weren't like mind-blowing drills. They were just good, you know. And I thought, yeah, I like that. And then I go back and and do, you know, what I did on what they did on my next training session, you know. And I tell the lads, this is what Phil Neville did, and they all roll around laughing, you know. Thinking, yeah. Well, no, it, it, that's how it works, you know. You're just going to pick all the good things, what you you know, and, and mould yourself into that coach that you want to be. Yeah, and would you say that failure um, is a good one? You know, either either that's a drill that you tested and it's not quite worked or you've gone to a team and they've got relegated would you say that failure is such a good thing to learn on of course it is you you always become stronger don't you from uh you know what you say what you doesn't kill what doesn't kill you makes you stronger you know you look at these things and think what went wrong there and you just make it right next time or try your best to do something different so that that situation doesn't happen again it's you just got to adapt on you've got to be very adaptable especially this day and age with so much change and you know the way football's now played you know, when I was young, it was four four two. Now it's four three one. And you know, we talk about the false playing the false nine, and I'm thinking false nine. I obviously know what one is, but we never used these terms when I was playing. You know, CDMs and yeah. <laughs> the defensive <field> attack. <laughs> it's all like paper and everything. That, that's what it is. You know, I remember oh. when I was coming coming into uh, coming into school, and everyone's like, "Oh, what formation are you playing to get the best everything?" And all these positions, I'm like, I don't have a clue. 
But, no, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how it's all. The goal is the same, isn't it? Yeah. Scores score more, goal, more, more goals than the opposition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so. that's, that's everything, really. Um, so thank you very much, Mike, for coming on, um, on the show. Um, it's been a, been a privilege. It's been great to know your, your insight knowledge, uh, especially being a coach as well. Um, so for those listening, I uh, hope you enjoy listening to um, the podcast. Um, you can listen on Spotify and YouTube. Um, links will be down below. Um, but I'll see you soon and thank you for listening. Yeah.